two to four. The Fanatics from four until six. They're abbreviated today. Two to high school hoops. Trent has the boy-girl doubleheader on the radio uh, getting underway. Pre-game at what time, Trent? Right at six? Right at six o'clock. Take the airwaves and get ready for Hoover and Dowling Catholic tonight. So real quick on uh, on high school hoops so far. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you seen in the CIML as far as... You know, the best couple of teams, maybe, just don't narrow it to one. The, the best girls teams in the CIML at this point are who? Well, Johnston, Waukee, I think, on the girls' side, a couple that you have to look at. But each and every year, the CIML is so deep. You know, Valley has made a couple of runs. Dowling Catholic has. Caitlin Clark themselves. Southeast Polk probably is the best of the bunch on the girls' side with the transfer they got in from Indianola last year. It's the depth of the CIML. And it doesn't matter the sport, girls, boys, it's incredible. But on the girls' basketball side, it's at a really high level. I think you can argue that of so the So you top, struggle to find the top team. I, I would say Southeast Polk probably okay. right now, but Johnston's right there. I saw them the other night. I'm always impressed by Maya McDermott, who's just a junior on her way to UNI. She's a lot of fun to watch. There's so much talent. And uh, that that's it's so much different than even 20 years ago when I was playing high school sports. The number of D1 players we have in this state, girls, boys, doesn't matter. It's incredible compared to what it once was, just the amount of talent that's here in the state now. All right, how about the boys? Boys is a little more convoluted. Uh, Ankeny got off to a really good start. Ankeny High, the Hawks. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, they've taken a step back. In fact, Dowling upset them on Friday night. They've come back a little bit, back to the pack. But North, start with them. They're fun to watch. Tyreek LaCour in his final season now. Seems like he's been around for a long time, doesn't it? He has been. <laughs> but true. He's, he's so uh, so much fun to watch. And, and, you know, we don't have rooting interests, but I'm rooting for them to get back to the state tournament like they did a couple of years ago. Get another chance I on that I love the city court. schools, Trent. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you 100%. Whether it be in the fall with football and they make a little bit of an impact and or, or certainly in basketball. All right, so you've got a doubleheader tonight. Airwaves at 6, so the Fanatics from uh, 4 until 6, of course, tomorrow morning. Uh, the morning rush gets underway at 6 o'clock. Did you, before we get into the NFL, just uh, one more thing. Away from the game from last night, though, did you see the finale of Fanville? You know, that whole build up the commercial with uh, Bosworth and uh, you wearing a wire. Are you wearing a wire? Do you know no. what I'm talking about? You have, have no idea what you're ta- I'm I talking about. I have no clue what you're talking about. Oh no clue. God. Really not. <laughs> Don't. Did you watch college football this year? All season long. Huh. Okay. I don't. I flip around, though. Well, there was no game to flip around to last night. What were you flipping around from last night? Well, then I look at the bottom of my beer. Usually I end up looking at Twitter during that time. All right. Well, anyways, I'm not even going to get into it then if you didn't okay. see it last right. night. Because Les Miles got blown up. He got he, hit by lightning. He did. Now, I don't think it was real. Was he eating grass? No, he was no. on a roof at a convenience store, a gas station of some kind, with the trophy. And he was struck by lightning. You could be Boswell speaking French to me right now. And I, I am, no, apparently. I have no idea. It was a big. I, I had no idea how they were going to end the series, uh-huh. and and I knew it would be tough to, you know, go out with a bang, if you will. And apparently they didn't because it didn't resonate with you one little bit. All yeah. right, so let's go to the NFL, and hopefully you'll be more help to me uh, with, I, I with will the NFL be, yes. and the quarterback. So what we talked about is I is I again early in the show. I don't count sleep. I don't know what it is. Um, but last night I was going. I was ranking the quarterbacks as I tried to uh, nod off that are still alive in the playoffs last night. And it's a harder exercise that you would think because, I mean, Tom Brady is the 
best quarterback to ever play the game, I guess. You can make that argument you easily. You can. I yes. mean, um, it was always Montana or Elway in the past. Uh, Unitas, for the people that would go way back in the game, it's really, you can't compare errors. You just can't. The game changes so much, and the rules change so much, and you can't touch a quarterback now as opposed to in the past. But let, let's start with eight and see if we can come to some agreement as to who's left um, and, and get to what I think is really difficult to do. And that's, you know, the best quarterback still standing in the playoffs is who? And we'll get to that in a second. But let's work our way from eight down to one. It's a tough exercise, Trent. I so mean, this is to win based a game on this you, weekend? Yeah, this, is, this is how you think the, the best quarterbacks right now. left in the tournament. Not what they've done in their career. Nope. Nope. Not what they right can now, be in the future. Going into this weekend. Yeah, Brady's rings won't help him this weekend. You have to win a game. You mm-hmm. have a vanilla team. You're wearing Penn State's white uniforms. And this is the quarterback you get to choose. Well, and, and look at the matchups. Uh, we've got yes. we've got Luck versus Mahomes. We've got Prescott versus Goff. We've got Rivers versus Brady. We've got Foles versus Priest. Not bad. Is Jared Goff number eight? I was I put him seven. I went Prescott eight. Prescott's won a playoff game. I know he has. I'm just. I'm he not was a sold. gamer Saturday night. He's a gamer most every time he, he takes is. the field. And Goff, since Cooper Cup's been out, uh huh, yeah. regressed back a little bit. And the Bears did what they did. Yes, they completely took him out of his game. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to you. I'll go, I'll go. Goff eight, Prescott seven. Is are we agreeing? We're, we're in agreement. Yes. All right. Then it gets real tough. That it does. I went full six, despite the fact that success. He won a Super Bowl for crying out loud. Yes. Um. Was the MVP in the Super Bowl? He was. And I've got him six. I'm the same. When I was writing this out, I was in the exact same spot as you. It's crazy to think. Do you believe in fool's magic? In Is the it playoffs, real? I do. It feels real. It does. I, mean, I, it, I it saw looks it real. Hand. You did. Uh, all right, so then we, we're down to five. Who's five? Oh. I hate to say it, because I'm a huge fan of this guy. Tom Brady. You're, you're going to go Brady? I'm in the same game. I'm on the other side of the field. Phil Rivers. Philip Rivers. Who I love Philip Rivers. I want Philip Rivers to win a ring so bad. I really do. I want the Chargers to win this thing. That's probably right, though. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah. I do think it is. Brady still deserves the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. So is he four? Yeah. He's okay. a four. Okay. Um, Top three. It's tough. So we have remaining Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes, mm-hmm. and Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And these guy, these three will finish... Is there a defensive player that will cut into the most valuable player conversation this year? Aaron Donald. What do you have? 21. He didn't set the record. Did he finish one by, or half a sack behind? It's like 21 and a half is what he had. So will he finish in the top three of the most valuable player? Because I think these three quarterbacks got to finish ahead of him. Probably, yeah. So who's three? Andrew Luck. Mm. I mean, do you go Patrick Mahomes has never been in a playoff game? Do you kind of play that no, card? because I saw what Patrick Mahomes did all season long. But playoffs are different. Yeah. But what, what what leads you to think that it's going to be different for him? Nothing. Maybe the Colts' defense, who's pretty, pretty yeah. good. Colts' offensive line is nasty. Yes, they are. Quentin Nelson, all pro as a rookie. Watching this guy just road grader guys game after game after game, my God, he's unbelievable. You can see why a guard went six. Was he six or eight? eight. Top ten, anyway. Yeah. Um Ugh, he's good. Yes, he is. Uh, so luck is three. I guess that's probably where you yeah. put him. And then I'd be Mahomes, Breeze, 
Brees. Mm-hmm. So mean, we're very similar. We are. We are. And you, you, you talked me into switching seven and eight. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Goff has gone a tiny step back as the season has gone on. We could. You can make a compelling argument, though, for changing the order in a lot of these guys. I mean, you can make an Phillip argument. Rivers is five. Right. Troy, uh, Tom, Troy Brady. Tom Brady is four. And I think you could come up with an argument. You look at a lot of numbers this season for Tom Brady, or maybe even put him lower. Or you can go the other direction and say it's Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Is this, I always take Tom Brady. You is, know? is this next loss for, or, or if they get to the Super Bowl and they win in Atlanta? And I don't think they will. Uh, and maybe that's wishful thinking on my it part. I'm sure it is. But it, it doesn't feel like this is going to be their year. Um, the end of the Gronk era? Gronkowski. They tried to start, trade him to Detroit. Well, they did, and then that's typical uh, uh, Belichick, right? Yes. And, and going back to Parcells, even too, his mm-hmm. mentor. It's always the year before. Um, they probably should have traded Gronk. I think this is the end for him. You do? Yes. Certainly in New England. And I'm not sure, as, as he said prior to the year, if they would have traded him. This is, he was quoted as saying this. He would have retired. Brady's his quarterback. Do you really believe that, though? I Injuries don't. have taken a toll. Sure. He's not as good as he used to be. I mean, he was as as unstoppable of a matchup as anybody in the league for a long time. He's no longer the best tight end in the game. No. He's And that, that happened relatively quickly. Oh, absolutely. He looks slow at times. And he's taken so many shots. And because of his physical dimension... Got to hit him at the knees. Got to hit him at the knees. Well, it takes his toll. And, mm-hmm. and you've certainly seen that for him. But if he got a traded, not even don't say Detroit, a better organization than that, you don't think that revitalize him? Say, you know what, I, I'd like to, with a young group, help him along, do something like that. I can't imagine. He, what's he going to do? Well, he outside a party. You know what he's going to do? I think he's going to be the rock. Oh, he's going to. I think he is. I think well, it works so well for Brian Bosworth. Well, Speaking of Boz. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Uh, Fansville might have been a career highlight for him acting-wise. Um, what was the name of that movie? Ho- you know, I don't remember the one. Uh, yeah, that we took on the motorcycle gang. Yes. That's what talking about. I don't remember the name. Even of as an eight-year-old, I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> Woof, huh? Yes. Uh, we'll take a time out. Zubin Mahente joins us next. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin. Uh, we continue on here. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNL. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, it's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword JOCK to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's JOCK. J-O-C-K, Jock, to 200-200 right now. Message and data rate supply uh, brought to us by our friends at EKG Golf. Let's get Zubin Mehente in here, shall we, as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. Zubin, good to talk to you. How have you been? Happy New Year. Same to you, and I guess somebody in your marketing department either has a tricky sense of humor with the uh, Jock line there for the long-term listeners. So 
I thought I was a little extra verb in your voice when you gave that word. Yeah, it was a hell of a radio station. Real, so was this one, by the way. But that was uh, that was a heck of a ride uh, uh, when we first got things going. Anyways, uh, Zubin, uh, it was a heck of a game last night. I know it was a blowout, and the ratings maybe people tuned out towards the end of it because it was seemingly a foregone conclusion uh, after uh, after three quarters of the game. But look, I thought Clemson would beat Alabama yesterday. I didn't think that they would beat them in the fashion that they did. That was that was kind of shocking, Zubin, to be real honest. It really was. And I think the run-up to the game was so much hype about why does this feel like a championship game, the lack of tickets, all these sorts of issues that sort of clouded the game prior to kickoff. But, look, I mean, last year's game was in Atlanta. Both teams could drive. Next year's game will be in New Orleans. Both teams could drive. So sometimes you're just looking for these stories that aren't really there. You know, Bill, ha- Bill Hancock said, First 10 years, we're taking it to 10 cities, and this is kind of bound to happen because the West has obviously flipped a little bit. But once the game got going, I think, you know, Kirk Herbstreet mentioned it. I think there were over 20 points scored before five minutes had elapsed in the first quarter, and it was incredible. The one thing I would just take away, other than I'm sure it's been talked to death about, you know, this being the worst loss for Saban, and where does this put Clemson vis-a-vis? Alabama, have they always been an SEC team masquerading in the ACC? The biggest thing that I took away was, you look at Brett Venables, and now his son is going to be attending Clemson. So I think anybody that wants to hire him, and he's been extremely picky and choosy, that's going to be out the window for a while. I think at a certain point, somebody will pluck Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott, who are their co-offensive coordinators. But when you think about losing Brian Dayball, Mike Loxley, um, Kirby Smart, uh, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. When you think about the churn for Alabama, it makes total sense mm-hmm. because winners want to hire winners. But that Clemson has been able to keep the Dabo, Venable, Scott, and Elliott group together despite all of their success is amazing. Obviously, Dabo is not going anywhere. But the fact that their three most important assistant coaches who could have easily bolted for bigger money and better jobs are still there. And that's not something you see at really any level of football. Coaches from the FCS are bolting for better jobs. And I don't think that's any small part as to why they won yesterday. You could put it on Lawrence, Etienne, Roth, who almost quit football. But I think that coaching tree staying intact is as rare of a thing as you're going to find especially when you have that level of success. You know, let me jump in for just a second. I, I didn't know the story about Ross. Uh, clue me in on that one. I mean, this, what he did last night, Justin Ross, a freshman, he was unbelievable. I did not know that story. Uh, share it, please. Yeah, you know, he uh, grew up in Alabama, and that's obviously brought, mentioned in the broadcast last night, and he just didn't really want to play football very much. Um, it was just a sport that he got really frustrated with, and his family kind of kept him on the right course kept him playing, his mother specifically, was a huge driving force in keeping him out there. And she basically just said, you've got incredible gifts. You've got to use them. He fell back in love with the game and eventually fell in love with the Tigers. But as you know, Ken, when you meet this many times over this many years, there's so many great stories that bind both teams. You've got Roth, who's from Alabama, playing for Clemson. You've got a guy named Miller Forrestal, who's an Alabama tight end, he actually was the QB1 at Cartersville High School where Trevor Lawrence played. Trevor Lawrence displaced him, so he 
moved to tight end in high school for Cartersville. Now he's a tight end at Alabama. And one of my personal favorites is there's a guy on um, Clemson's roster whose grandfather is Gene Stallings. And obviously the Dabo connection uh, from playing at Alabama and now coaching Clemson. So when you get together this many times, you get to see some of these amazing stories that link both of these schools and in the case of Ross, both of these states. It's pretty awesome. So TV ratings are down, Zubin, going to uh, your line of work. Is that more a fashion of a blowout, or is fatigue real between Alabama and Clemson nationally? No, I think a lot of it just has to do with what happened last night. Mm -hmm. I just think the NFL is the best harbinger to look at. Um, The ratings are up across the board on all networks, and that's because I think we just saw a much better regular season. Maybe it's the Mahomes factor. Maybe it's the Cowboys are always going to be resurgent and bring a great number to the table. So when you have pretty good flash competitive wild card games and also a great regular season, I think people will tune in for a great product. And I think sometimes we overthink it because the NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry, but if you're running a mom and pop shop or you're Roger Goodell running the NFL, good content, exciting, dramatic, you wanting to spend a little time in a restaurant or spend a little time in front of the TV does it. And obviously last night, with that final score, it's hard to really indicate people wanted to spend as much time in the third and fourth quarter watching that. It's always tough on a Monday night, especially in the East, where the game is ending close to midnight. And uh, in that area, there's not a ton of drama for college football. There's also no drama in last night's game. So I think it's a one-off. Like I said, um, you put this in the right situation, whether it's in Atlanta last year, New Orleans next year, the hype is going to be just a much bigger deal. I also think part of the reason the rating was down in, in addition to the non-competitive game was that it definitely didn't feel like, for those people that love and watch college football, even the people in Santa Clara or San Jose where we were based about nine miles away, the weather wasn't great and the tickets were coming easy. And there was a lot of people that didn't feel like it had a championship game atmosphere around it. Now, does that come through the TV through osmosis, probably not unless you're there. You just feel like you're watching a big-time game on television. But you can kind of tell the hype and the run-up wasn't there the way that it would be had it been in another area of the country. And a lot of it is just timing. You know, Oregon made the first college football playoff. Washington has made the college football playoff and the Rose Bowl in a span of three years. But it just was pretty unfortunate that you get to a situation where you have two teams, that are 2,700 to 3,000 miles away. Right. I'll give you the best example. Even Clemson's athletic director, Dan Radikevich, said, we had 20,000 tickets allotted to us. This is Clemson, who obviously is still building, still trying to prove themselves. Maybe last night got them over the top. But Radikevich said of their 20,000 tickets, they had to get really creative to sell them. So even Clemson couldn't sell their tickets like hotcakes, and obviously they have so much more to prove on their ascent. So if Clemson's having trouble selling their 20,000 tickets, I can only imagine that the casual fan sometimes might have given them a shoulder shrug. Uh, ESPN Sports Center anchor Zuba Mehente joining us, Miller and Condon, on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Well, those college football fans, Zubin, who are seemingly clamoring for expansion of the uh, playoff format, uh, yesterday wasn't their day because it was shot down uh, at the commissioner's meeting yesterday. There just doesn't appear and there hasn't appeared uh, over the years to be an appetite for expansion. They still, there's a, there's a lot of data to be mined and I'm 
paraphrasing, but that seemingly was one of the talking points coming out of that meeting. Uh, I don't want to say we're stuck with four because four seems four is good with me, but four seemingly is going to be the number going forward for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't know why this has become such a big story. I understand when Delaney came out and said, listen, you know, maybe we need to take a look at this. And obviously he's kind of been the staunchest defender of being a traditionalist. So when he kind of says something, I would imagine it would raise eyebrows. But, you know, Bill Hancock, who's the executive director of the playoffs, has basically said from day one, um, the president and the commissioners are fine with it at four. I think there's a lot of sand built up. Georgia getting left out, Oklahoma sneaking in, Ohio State not getting in. That just has led to a lot of media rancor and fan rancor. But if you listen to the people who are really making the decisions, it's not that surprising because nobody on record, nobody on record has said we are moving towards eight. People think that's just going to happen because there's just so much money to be had with an 18 playoff versus four. But what I would say to that is if there's so much more money to be had in an 18 playoff versus a four, there was obviously more money to be had in a four-team playoff than the BCS, than the Bowl Alliance. And we sat there and we crowned a BCS champion for 20 years or whatever mm-hmm. it was, 15 years. We crowned a Bowl Alliance champion. Obviously, before the Bowl Alliance, you just went to your bowl. You, people voted at the end, and we have a great season. So to me, yes, money is a hugely important factor, but the playoffs been dangling out there for a long time. And up until 2014, Nobody wanted to pull the trigger on it. So I'm not, I'm not banking on the money being the thing because the money's always been there. And prior to 2014, they were able to resist it for whatever reason. I'm sure there's tons of both high-end TV contracts they couldn't get out of and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not actually thinking this is much of a story. I actually think the bigger story is Delaney actually raising his eyebrows and saying, we need to look at it. But I think from day one, the people that have been in charge of the official statement have basically said, uh, this is four, and it's going to remain four for the 12 years that they have signed with ESPN. Now, there is an opt-out situation at the end of next year that they could recalibrate and look at it. But to this juncture, nobody in a real position of authority has really said, this is what we're going to attempt to eventually do. From the college game over to the pro, Zuba Mahente joining us here. The Packers have a new coach, Matt LaFleur. I uh, left scratching my head when I saw the news. Your takeaway, what are you hearing about Matt LaFleur and and the relationship he's going to build with Aaron Rodgers? What's so funny to me is now, this may be just another great pickup. He's in his 30s. He spent some time as the Titans offensive coordinator this year. He was at the Rams the year before that. He was also Notre Dame's quarterback coach, so he's got a little bit of college experience. And by the way, when he was Notre Dame's quarterback coach, Deshaun Kaiser was there. I'm not saying that means anything. I'm pretty sure Deshaun Kaiser will not be usurping you-know-who right. at number one. But it's an interesting little tie. The one thing I would say about LaFleur is, you know, I know there's been a lot of overplayed drama about looking for the next Sean McVay. And mm-hmm. Why not get a guy from McVay's old staff? But I'll tell you what, if you watch the playoffs over the weekend, and this is a tough one for you, Trent, but, you know, why <laughs> yes. not look at a, a Dick Fangio? Now, he's a little bit older and he's defensive, which is like the double whammy because you want like the younger offensive guy. But if you kind of look at all four wild card games this weekend, you could really say that 17 weeks of great offense has boiled down to a few weeks of who's got the offense and a lot of defense. So I think obviously when you have a quarterback like Rodgers, 
you want to hire an offensive head coach to get the most out of him. But what was really interesting, as you guys know, the narrative coming into the Packers' search was you need to find a guy that can hold Aaron Rodgers accountable. You need to find a guy that Aaron Rodgers respects and you can get the best out of Aaron Rodgers. That's a euphemism for light a fire under him a little bit. Be a, don't be afraid to rip him one because, you know, he'll come right back and rip you one. I'm not sure what level of gravitas LaFleur had at the age of 38, but again, I think when they hired Sean McVay at the age of 32, I'm sure most pundits said, what in the world does this guy know? He's only 32. So that one ended up working out well, and I'm assuming the Packers are hoping that the same thing can happen here with a much more seasoned quarterback than McVay had to inherit. I wonder how much um, the Packers leaned on Aaron Rodgers, or if at all. Do you think that they did, Zubin? I think you have to. When you sign a guy to that sort of contract, I think you have to. Now, I think what Rodgers will do is he will always say, and he's kind of said this, I'm just a quarterback. And I think people kind of laugh when they hear something like that from Aaron Rodgers because I think at the most important position for the money that they signed him at, at the age that he's at, knowing his window is now, there's quite a few people out there from a national perspective that think we've seen the best of Aaron Rodgers. And I I don't think that's necessarily crazy. I'm sure that drives him. But I think if you were going to be making a decision like that uh, in the NFL, like let's say they have to decide between – Foles and Wentz at one point. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we lost John Filippo, We lost Frank Reich. Um, you know, hey, Carson slash Nick obviously probably went first. Who do you like here? You know, I, I almost put, put it on other teams. If the Eagles are to make a decision after losing somebody like that. I think if the Titans are to replace Matt LaFleur, I think they have to go to Marcus Mariota and say, hey, um, who are you more comfortable with? We're going to make the decision, but give us some input here. So I don't think the final decision was Aaron's. But I think it would be foolish had they not talked to him at all. You know, speaking of quarterbacks, Trent and I just did before you came on, on the air, Zoom, and the quarterbacks, the eight quarterbacks that still have their teams uh, playing in the divisional this weekend, Lux team against Mahomes' team, uh, Prescott's against Goff's, Rivers versus Brady's team, Nick Foles against Drew Brees. I mean, the quarterback power on display this weekend, it, it's tough to, you know, to, to definitively come up with who the best quarterback left standing is. It's a remarkable list, Zubin. Yeah, I mean, I think the most intriguing story, I couldn't agree with you more, I think the most intriguing story, obviously, is Foles. Because if Foles were to win this game, then you really got to start thinking about the question everybody's thinking in Philly. Uh, now, what's also interesting about this game with Orleans is that the only time Foles has lost a playoff game <laughs> was to New Orleans in 2013. It's actually the only team uh, that's beaten them, before it's after last year's perfect run. That 2013 season under Chip Kelly was arguably the best season of Foles' career regular season-wise. I think he had something like 27 touchdowns and two picks, which is pretty remarkable, although I guess these days 27 touchdowns does not seem like a big figure, but the two picks certainly is. So I think that's an intriguing story, kind of facing the only team that vanquished him in the playoffs. And I think the real interesting story to watch is the Colts, because not only is Luck returned to that stage, Nelson is going to merit some consideration for Offensive Rookie of the Year, he's probably not going to win it with Mayfield and Saquon Barkley, but he's mer- meriting some consideration. Uh, Darius Leonard might end up winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I think he's got a real chance to win that if Bradley Chubb doesn't win it. Though people do love sacks, and that might be enough for Chubb. So if you're going to tell me it's the return of Andrew Luck, the emergence of Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, who were both named first-team All-Pro last week, which is pretty amazing for your first year mm-hmm. in the league, 
great general manager in Chris Ballard, generally regarded by our people and, and many people as one of the best personnel guys in the league and a lot of cap room. Um, and Andrew Luck now still sort of coming into his prime after a rough couple of years. I think that may not be the team to watch this year. I think they eventually might get vanquished this year. But I think moving ahead, you never would know with the NFL, such a week-to-week league, that to be even projected next year seems crazy. It just feels like the Colts have a great foundation moving forward. Yeah, uh, Derwin James with the Chargers, too, yeah. on that list. Go ahead, Charles. Oh, Derwin James. Yeah. He is unbelievable. Well, Zubin, before we let you go, our, our month respite, uh, we had a couple of big stories, and we know your affinity to the NBA here on the local level. Fred Hoiberg let go by the Bulls up north. Tom Thibodeau, he moves on, and uh, after he's fired, sounds like maybe a connection there. Fill us in. You're our NBA go-to guy, the latest with some coaching changes, and, of course, a couple of teams that matter a lot here in Des Moines. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think right around the time, uh, and sometimes this is just the luck you have, uh, right around the time uh, Parkey started bring it up again. Oh, jeez. Right around the time Parkey started, <laughs> was missing that field goal. Right at that time, I kind of had one eye on it, and I was actually on television doing NBA. Um, but uh, I was keeping one eye on Parkey, and we had Adrian Wojnarowski on a road. Some of your listeners are NBA fans may know who he is. He's kind of like the Schefter of the NBA. And he came on and basically said, you know, when Tibbs got fired, what do you think? And I think there was a lot of drumbeat. And this is just Adrian's opinion. Uh, two things he said. And I know Fred has come out and said, I'm not a front office guy. I'm a coaching guy. He's come out and said that in the last 24 hours. But he really thinks it's possible that maybe long-term Fred could end up being a coach there. Because what Vogue said was obviously he has affinity for the organization. He's worked in the front office. He played for them. But there's a lot of people in the league that would like to see what Fred Hoiberg can do with a legitimate roster. Um, no matter what happened with the Bulls, I just think he, he'd never publicly maybe say this because he's too classy, but I don't think he walked in and got the roster that he thought he was going to get. And if you look at the way Carl Anthony Towns is played right now, outside of James Harden, who's been an absolutely historic pair here the last five, ten games, at one point he had five straight 40-point games that actually just got snapped. Carl Anthony Towns right now, statistically, is right behind him in terms of the small sample size you're seeing at this point, Wiggins is coming into his own. They have a really nice team there. And for Sibs, the one thing Wode said was that I was a little surprised to hear this because Sibs' reputation is actually very good. He thinks because of the way things ended in Chicago, not well, the way things ended in Minnesota, not well, that he thinks that Sibs is going to have to be an assistant coach mm. before he comes back and is a head coach in the league. Now, that is true. Any one of the 30 teams in the league, I don't care if you're Golden State or you're as bad as the Phoenix Sun, that whole chasm, I would immediately hire Tom Thibodeau if he, if he said I'd be willing to go through the assistant ranks to get it again. My thought is he took the Bulls to five playoffs in five years. He snapped the NBA's longest playoff drought last year with Minnesota. Um, he could come back and work at ESPN. He was an analyst with us for a while, a very good one, I would say. But Rhodes does seem to think that he may have to traverse back to the assistant ranks. And to me, that would be an unbelievable add to any team in this league here. Hmm. Subin, last thing for me. Uh, today is the uh, funeral for Tyler Trent. Uh, ESPN and college football did a tremendous uh, uh, job uh, chronicling his story and sharing his message. And the whole family, the Trent family, was uh, so gracious and so willing to let us in uh, in just um, just unbelievable circumstances. Was this to you, as you look back at the, the year of college football, to me it was one of the biggest stories, maybe the biggest story, my biggest takeaway from the 2018 
season of college football. Tyler Trent um, and, and what he meant to college football, that's on that list. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Let me tell you a quick story. I'm glad you asked me about that. So um, after Urban Meyer and Ohio State won the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, uh, we did a post-game show. And essentially in the post-game show, it was basically just getting Urban Meyer's reaction. This is the last time. Let's get him at the podium. Maybe Dwayne Haskins will say something about his draft stock. We knew he wouldn't. But it was basically the end of an era for Urban Meyer. The Sports Center is there to give you all of his words. And the show was scheduled to be maybe a half hour. And during the show... That night, um, we were in a commercial break, and they had said that Tyler Trent had died. And we were not sure if he had died that day, if he had just died and they had just released it. We were able to work out some of the details that he had died on New Year's Day. And we came back, and I just had to say something off the top of my head. There really wasn't a chance to write anything down. And the way I equated what I said was it was a little longer than I would normally do because this is obviously a very sensitive subject. But if you look at it and you say this whole season was about teams like Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Oklahoma, and it's about individuals like Tua and Kyler and newsworthy people like Dexter Lawrence and eventually Trevor Lawrence, but the guy that may have had the biggest impact in college football all year long never threw a touchdown pass and never registered a sack. And that's amazing to think about mm-hmm. today. It was also quite ironic. The reason that Ohio State was playing on New Year's Day and not in the playoffs right. is because they went to West Lafayette, Indiana on a Saturday night with Tyler Trent sitting in a suite. Guaranteeing victory. 49, guaranteed victory that turned into a 49-20 defeat. And that's kind of the way I put it. It's all about the teams. It's all about the players. But sometimes your most indelible image will just be a person. For example, 20 years from now, Ken, if you ask me what's the number one thing I'll remember about the 2018 NCAA tournament, in almost any other year, I would have said, of course, it was the year that UMBC beat Virginia. It was the year a 16 finally beat a 1. Yeah. But I guarantee if you ask 100 people 20 years from now, if they think about the 2018 mm-hmm. tournament, you're going. they'll say two words. Sister, Sister Jean. And yeah. sometimes it's just people. It's not the games. It's not the score. It's the people. And that's what I tried to emote that night. And I think that guy touched a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people. Zubin, you're the best, my friend. Thank you for doing what you do for us. Uh, We will talk you a week from today. You have a good week, Zubin. Thank you. Great to be back on with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, good to be back on with you. Zubin Mahente, ESPN Sports Center. We're lucky to have Zubin. Very well put. Yeah, absolutely. As uh, he got the news when he was um, in mid-show. And for people that are here in Zubin for the first time with our move over here, we go inside uh, Sports Center and ESPN from time to time. A lot of different angles with him. One of my favorites every week. No, he is. And uh, for those people who don't know Zubin, uh, or don't know his Des Moines ties, Zubin was here at WI. Worked. Uh, John Walters mm-hmm. was the sports director over there. Zubin was here from, and I'm guessing ninety nine, mid nineties to early two thousand. Went to Denver. Worked for an affiliate in Denver for. Probably, I don't know, half a dozen years or so and got snapped up by ESPN. 
Maybe he was in Denver longer than that and has been uh, with ESPN now uh, a real long run and survived mm-hmm. all the uh, uh, the turnover at ESPN and just signed a new contract. When was that? We, uh, this fall? Or yeah, a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago. And he's going to remain there for a while. We're grateful our show is better uh, with Zubin Mahenti as part of it. And he is part of it each and every Tuesday. We will come back and wrap up a Tuesday edition of Miller & Condon. Trent has high school basketball tonight. We'll tell you that before we get out of here uh, as we continue on here. Miller & Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. It's Miller and Condon 1460 KXNO. We're on Des Moines Sports Station. Portions of our program brought to you by our friends. At uh, Fuller Dental, fullerdental.net. Two locations. Uh, Dr. Fuller is my dentist. On the east side, he's located on East 29th Street, 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines. Also in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. If you're new to the area, if you've moved from one side of town to the other, or if you're looking for another dentist, they are accepting new patients. Dr. Stephen Fuller, 2822 East 29th Street, Des Moines, and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Well, the men's basketball schedule makers do us a huge favor here in the middle of this week, Trent. They keep Iowa and Iowa State away from each other. The mm-hmm. clones tonight at 6. They're on the road in Waco uh, tomorrow, Northwestern and Iowa. That game's, what, 8 tomorrow? 6 tonight for the clones. Yes. Of course, the game is down the hall here on 100.3, the bus, uh, and then tomorrow, 8 o'clock tip. 8 for the Hawkeyes, 6 o'clock for ISU. Point spread remains. Cyclones 2.5. Odd. And well, I keep keep going. It, uh, a pass for you? It's a pass. I, mm-hmm. I can't. I can't get a firm decision on this one. Is there a game tonight that you'll pay? I'm going to watch Texas. I guess where I was going is uh-huh. I want to watch Texas Tech Oklahoma play. Um, I did want to watch. There was a Big Ten tilt that was the same time as Iowa State, uh, Maryland, Purdue. Minnesota. Oh, Maryland, Minnesota. Yeah, P- Purdue's got a big game in their own right. Who do they have? They're at Michigan State. And when is that one? That's the eight o'clock game. Good. So a pretty good night of college basketball. North Carolina at NC yeah, State. Big. I get it. Two top fifteen or two top twenty. Where, where's North Carolina right? Oh, fifteen yeah. and thirteen. NC State's thirteen. I think it's right in that range. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the Jets and the Lanch play tonight, too, so that I'll oh. get my full attention. But so does college basketball. It's a pretty good night for sports. It is. Just because college football is behind us, uh, we uh, segue seamlessly into MBB. Are you ready to flip the script? I, I know you love your football. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love college basketball. It's yeah. just I'm football crazed. Yes, you are. Um, no. <laughs> no, no. Just, I figured as much. Kicking and screaming, the NFL. Right? This is our final Saturday of football, folks. Get, they, oh, get you. This is it. Yeah. This is it. Pro Bowl doesn't count. No. The uh, the, the All-Star games, they don't count. Nah, this no. is it. Divisional games this weekend. We've got two of them and two good ones. Uh, Adam Teicher is going to join us when from the, from the ESPN, of course, formerly Kansas City Star. He's Thursday at 10 o'clock, 10.20? Thursday, he'll be by, yeah, about 10.25. So we'll get a good look at the uh, Chiefs and the Colts. A lot of, as Jason Symbol from CG Technology said to us yesterday, a lot of money line play on this Colts game. They are taking a lot of Colts straight up. Man, I don't know. This, this Mahomes is such a witch, Trent. He really and truly... Now, they don't play a lick of defense. No. And Andrew Luck is going to, I think, do some damage, but... Andy Reid, in the playoffs... Yeah. I mean, he's got them to that point, right? He's got they lost to Tennessee. I know. 
Well, not a very good Titans team. Mm-hmm. This feels different, this Chiefs team, though. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, I think the NFC right now has the edge. I think whoever comes out of the NFC. They, they post that line right after the game is over, right after the mm-hmm. Super Bowl is over. You can go to Vegas the next day and bet the Super Bowl. Yes. AFC versus NFC. I have to assume, well, I guess I shouldn't assume, uh, that they put NFC as the favorite this year. Um, I don't know. It just feels different with this Chiefs team this year. And I think they're in for a, I think they're in for a hell of a tussle on Saturday. So who do you like it coming out of the AFC then? Well, I'm rooting for the Chargers. But do you like them? If you yes, if, I, I think they'll beat the Patriots, and I think that we're going to see that AFC West rematch for the third time this year. We'll see Chargers and Chiefs, and the game's in Arrowhead, and that's such a distinct advantage. It is and normally. I mean, not in the playoffs necessarily. There's been some heartbreak there uh, for Chiefs fans over the years. Um, we're not going to see the ones, are we? I mean, it's 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 not going to be one versus one, is it? I don't think so. I think New Orleans is going to the Super Bowl. You I do. really do. In fact, I think they're going to win the Super Drew Bowl. Drew Brees hasn't played like a month and a half. Well, I didn't play week 17. It seems like it's been a long it's time. It's been though, a long right? time. Yeah. You know, when Teddy Bridgewater got that start, and there was a lot of people that were rooting for him, you know, a lot of Vikings fans, because they want to see Teddy get an opportunity, and he's going to be, I guess, in some other city next year. But he had that. And it's, and it's probably unfair to judge him on a Week 17 performance after he hasn't played in so long. He really wasn't that good. No. And I and I tried to watch the game. I remember that was the early slate in Week 17. Against Tampa? And Is that who they were playing? Was it? It might have been. The, the, week, the early games on Week 17 were P.U. I mean, stinkers. Yeah. No playoff implications. They moved every game, and rightly so. The NFL moved every game with playoff implications, including the one you were at. Mm-hmm. Um, to the 325 window and, of course, the um, the play-in game on Sunday night when the Colts had to win or go home. So they'll be doing that now for the third straight week. And I think that's a benefit to them. I really do. Doing it on the road. Yes. Win, must-win games. They're getting a little battle-tested here. And this luck is playing at an, at an MVP-type level. So we were talking quarterbacks earlier and who you'd take you know, to win a game, whatever it is, as, as the teams currently are constructed. Found a prop as I was digging around a little bit. Most passing yards this weekend. Just this weekend. Hmm, good one. Well, uh, let me. Get, can you give me a second to kind of... Yes. It's not going to be... Boy, I, I think it might be in the first game of the weekend. Colts, Chiefs... I mean, the Chiefs defense is awful. It is. Um, the Eagles defense, the secondary is not great. I. So what is it? Is it the team or the quarterback? The quarterback. So it is. Breeze is the favorite. Breeze is the shortest price, or is it Mahomes? It's Mahomes. He's five to two. Okay, where's Breeze? He's second. He's fourth. That's crazy. Luck is three to one. Okay. Goff is plus four fifty nine to two. Then you get into Breeze and Brady, both five to one. Foles eleven to two, along with Rivers and your long shot Dak at twenty to one. Well, you shut down Cooper. Yeah. Um, and with no Alan Hearns. No, well, that was nasty, wasn't Ooh. it? Yeah, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. But how about Garrett out there holding his hand and yeah. squeezing his hand? I, they say he's a player's coach. I think that was a perfect example. So you're saying I, I should take a fire at Breeze at 5-1? I would. One? At that price? It's a pretty good price. I like it. I, mean, I would think that they're going to do some damage through the air against the Eagles. Play a half unit on that. There you go. What are you going to do tonight? Any games at all? I mean, I know you're not betting Iowa State, Baylor. You don't no, like that number. I was... Does Iowa State win? No. You think they lose, huh? They, I, 
it's just a weird feeling. Baylor's I think not very you know what you said earlier, Trent, that I think is probably that that's not crazy. When we were talking about, it, he said this one feels like it's going to be an ugly, not a thing of beauty. Yes, um, this is fifty-two fifty-one. In fact, it might take the under one thirty-seven is the number. Well, if you think it's fifty-two fifty-one, <laughs> yeah. then you should take the under yeah. in the game. It probably not won't be that side. bad, but yeah. Um, but I but I get your point. You know, because the last time we saw, I was standing on the floor. They scored what ninety-three mm-hmm. against Kansas, seventy-seven. I Iowa scored ninety-three. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. This. This is not going to be a thing. I think Iowa State goes to 3-0. I hope you're right. I think they go to 3-0. The These are the kind of, very good. And, and for what we were talking about after the weekend, the win, win against Kansas, how you get to win a regular season title, it's beating teams like Baylor on the road. Those are the games you can't afford to lose because even if you run the table at home, you go 9-0 at home, going 5-4 and four on the road, is that probably realistic? Fourteen to four gets you yes. a share of the title. I think it. When's the Texas Tech game? All of a sudden now, this Texas yeah. Tech visit to uh, to Ames and vice versa when they when the clones go to level. Let me find those on the schedule. It's on the six. Well, sixteenth is sixteenth. Uh, yep. So that's next. What next Wednesday? Today's the eighth. Yes, next Wednesday, yes. and Texas Tech pays a visit. Is it late in the year? It's the final game of the regular season. Whoa. Senior day. Shayok day. Um, For a title. It could be. Think about that. If you're, if you're a um, look into the future and buy tickets, you're only going to go, you're going to go to one Iowa State game and didn't get to the Kansas game. Last game of the regular season, 9th of March. The Red Raiders and the Cyclones. A Big 12 title on the line. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. We're not talking about Kansas. No, I know we're not talking about Kansas. We don't have to. We don't have to. Kansas is done. New England's done. Kansas is done. You're we're gone. almost done. Uh, tomorrow, David Kaplan's going to join us. Yes. Are the White Sox stealing the Cubs' thunder in the Windy City? As no. far as the off season, no, no, never. Nobody Never? cares about the White Sox. Yeah, but if you sign a Harper or a Machado, and I don't know if either realistic, John Jay was the news yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, the White Sox seemingly took the Club Cubs blueprint. You know, they stunk for a couple of years. They drafted well. Um, you don't think they're stealing a little bit of the thunder in the offseason? I can't buy I'm going to ask Happy that question, and I'll let him laugh at me as opposed to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's we'll, the White Sox. I know. It just... It doesn't reverberate. Is that divisional, Trent? They're for the taking. I think it is, too. Your twins are going to be players in it, I think. The Indians Cleveland are... comes back to the pack a little bit this They're year. selling off pieces. Mm-hmm. Detroit's Detroit. I, 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 I don't... I, I'm not buying that. So, Cappy will be here. We'll do that. Uh, we'll recap the Bears' loss. Um, the late, Have you seen some of the social media? Did you see the one guy walking out of Soldier Field... And I clicked on it, and I, I kind of felt like I should take a shower after I watched it. The guy that was just cussing up and down. No. With, oh, it was, it was nasty. Uh, there's a homework assignment for you tonight. Watch the end of the Fanville spot, would you please? I still don't know what you're talking you about. <laughs> Fanville, huh? I think that's what they called it. I'm sure it was. Anyways, we're out of time. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to our guests. Uh, Bama Bob joined us early in the program. Alex Halstead was here on Iowa State. Uh, tomorrow, working on John Miller to get him in here. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News on the NFL. Cappy as well. Trent and I are back tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Murph and Andy, next local, coming your way to, uh, from 2 to 4, 1460 KXNO.